0: This
1: is Ryan Archidak, and I shout out to the Bulls HQ podcast. All the way from Australia, we represent, and thanks for all the support.
0: Hello Bulls fans, welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Bulls HQ, the last episode of the show, I guess during this first half of the season where the Bulls have just got done wrapping up a game against the New Orleans Pelicans, which was a good win, well, maybe not a good win, <laughs> they were lucky to get that win, it wasn't necessarily a good execution of basketball let's say from either team, but... To to close the first half of the season with a win, I will certainly take that. And more more importantly, I guess, the Bulls closing at the first half of their season, the first 34 games of their season with a 16 and 18 record, just shy of 500. If you could have told me that the Bulls would have been just shy of 500, sitting just, just outside of the playoff picture at this point, but just one game out of like the sixth seed right now. If you told me all of that, would be happening at the halfway point of this season. If you said that to me at the start of the season or in the off season, I would not have believed you at all. <laughs> no chance. I, I didn't expect the Bulls to have that sort of a impact. And I guess part of that is due to the fact that this league is just completely all over the place at this point, the Eastern Conference. It, it feels like every team is sort of hovering between you know, 16, 17, 18 wins slash 16, 17, 18 losses type thing. It feels like there's like 10 teams on that, around that record. So in that sense, the Bulls have maybe capitalized on some wins where maybe they shouldn't have. They've certainly lost some games that they shouldn't have. So I don't know. if It feels right where they are right now. But again, coming back to, to what I sort of mentioned at the top, if you had told me that, that this is where they'd be, just, just shy of the playoffs right now, I wouldn't have believed you. So that that is the perspective that I am taking into this little mini break that we're going to go into over the All-Star or over the All-Star, well, not weekend, I suppose it's an All-Star evening, but um, we won't have Bulls basketball for essentially another week, another seven days or so. So having some time to just get away from the game, think over the game, think over the first half of the season, I- I'm quite content as to where we are right now, Bulls fans. I think the way the team has performed, they've still you know, had injuries, they've still had their issues with COVID, and the schedule, to be fair, I think uh, that- we forget about it now, but the, the schedule through that first twenty games was really, really tough, and that's why I wasn't expecting this team to be anywhere close to five hundred. Because that first twenty odd games or so, like the schedule that they were running through, which included some uh, some tough competition out west, I didn't expect them to to be at sixteen and eighteen right now. I thought maybe you know for, through the first twenty games, if they could escape that with like a I don't know, like a 7 and 13 record, something like that. Like, I would have considered that a win. The Bulls have been better than that. And right now they're 16 and 18. And and that, in a large part, due to the fact that over their last 13 games, the team has an 8 and 5 record. So, you know, over that 13 game stretch, that's good for sixth in the league. You will take that. <laughs> you will take that every day of the week. And I mean, over those last 13 games, the Bulls are 14th in offense, they're 11th in defense. That puts them actually right up there in the top six in terms of net rating, right? They're literally on six with a 3.2 net rating. Their last 13, 15 games, whatever you want to classify it as, their last month of basketball, really, let's just say that, has been very encouraging. They've been playing really well. So to be sitting here right now at 16 and 18, having the 15th best offense in the NBA right now in terms of offensive rating. They've climbed up to 21st in defense despite you know, sort of starting the first 10 to 15 games in roughly 27th or 28th on defense. They've pushed that up to 20 21st, which is a good sign. So with all that sort of culminating together, the, the Bulls feel like a 16 and 18 team. It doesn't feel like a fluke. It doesn't feel like anything that they're doing right now is completely unsustainable because what we have seen them from, from the team has carried over the, over the first 34 games of the season. So it's really encouraging. I'm happy where things are at. Could they be, you know, 18 and 16? Yeah, maybe they could be if Damian Lillard doesn't hit that shot or, or Damian Lee doesn't hit that three for that matter. Maybe that maybe they are 18 and 16 instead of 16 and 18. But based on where they are right now, I'm I'm very happy. And more than that, I guess the reason why I am happy is the fact that they're they're finding ways to win games which I don't think they would have won earlier in the season. Most certainly wouldn't have won Last season, and we can point to this Pelicans game as a really good example of this. I mean, the Bulls got up big; they, they built a nice lead. But as they've done so many times before, they've let teams back into the game. We sort of started to see that happening in that fourth quarter, end of the third, start of the fourth quarter. There, in, with against the Pelicans, the Bulls had built up a good lead. And for whatever reason, they just took the foot off the gas and the, the opposing team just started to get things together, got back in the game and could have potentially stolen this game very, very easily. And maybe a better team would have. Maybe if the Pelicans just weren't so uh, inconsistent and it's just so terrible on defense this year that maybe they would have won this game. But to the Bulls' credit, they have found a way to win games in close situations. Tonight was a good example of it. I mean, it probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. The Bulls were making some... Interesting decisions, let's say. I mean, how many times are you going to foul a guy at a three point on the three point line? Just, just please stop doing that, please. But uh, they, they had some some interesting choices made from a defensive standpoint. The defense in the last sort of quarter really fell off a cliff or two towards the end there. But granted, despite that happening and despite them not not necessarily playing a good four quarter p- uh, performance, they were able to f- to find a way to manufacture a win. And to me, that is a sign of growth under Boylan. They are. Maybe getting out into onto a lead, if they're even getting into a lead at all, but they're most certainly sort of vanquishing those leads or losing those leads quite easily, or the moment that their team is being challenged, they're folding. We saw that on so many occasions last season and the, and the season prior, but this season, there's just more resolve around the team. There's They have a, a greater ability, I guess, to get back into games. We've seen that so many times with the second unit coming to rescue the starters. That, that almost happens every other game, but... They've just found ways to to stay in games, to get back in games, and ultimately to control and win games. So, again, like if you want to point to development, if you want to point to growth, a lot of that comes down to. Oh, we've seen a lot of that this season. So, um, I'm quite pleased with the way this this first half of the season has gone. I'm hoping most Bulls fans feel similar. I'm assuming so. Maybe there's a few people out there that is maybe still feel disappointed about it. I don't know if if you are one of those one of those peoples. I I guess I don't really understand that perspective. Maybe those types of fans just are thinking ahead and don't really see a real contender with this type of team, which, okay, fine, maybe. They're not going to be that, probably. But at this point, can we just take like some some simple steps to actually getting back to being a respectable ball club first before we start thinking about cont- uh, contending for titles and then doing all that sort of stuff? I mean, can we get back to 500 basketball, getting back to the playoffs and actually building a decent team before we start thinking about winning championships and if this team can or can't win a championship? Can we do that first? So, I don't know. I think they're building the right way. They're clearly improving. Obviously, it'll be very interesting to see how this next half of the season goes and and, and how, maybe more importantly, how a a tourist kind of steers the ship from here on out. I mean, the Bulls have a tough schedule post the All-Star break. They've got some games on the road against some really good teams. So that may define what happens at the trade deadline. So the next sort of five, ten games plus what AK decides to do at the trade deadline, that's going to be interesting. I mean, the fact that he made a a media appearance the other day before the Denver Nuggets game. Didn't really say too much, which isn't super surprising. I mean, he's a very coy guy. He's not going to say much in terms of what he's actually thinking or planning. I don't know why we ever expect any executive to have to come out in the media and say anything of substance. Like, why would they? There's no real competitive advantage for them to do so. But even more than that, AKC seems, seems to, to take saying nothing to a next level, I guess. He, he really... He says a lot, but he really is saying nothing at all. So I I guess I can sum it up that way. But the next few weeks are ultimately going to determine what this season is about, in part because of the schedule coming up, but largely due to the trade deadline. And given that, I thought we could do something differently on the episode today. And rather than just going over the games themselves and just talking about, you know, Bulls versus Pelicans or Bulls versus Nuggets or Bulls versus Suns, you know, going over those games, I thought what we could do is maybe just, you know, hit the Bulls HQ mailbag and... Hear from you listeners, hear from you Bulls fans as to, you know, what you're thinking, where, what is the temperature of the fan base at this point in time and naturally and alluding to the fact that, you know, so much of this season, not only just this season, but what we happens at this trade line will dictate what happens for the Bulls over the next sort of two to three years. I wasn't surprised when I asked for questions that a lot of Bulls fans were asking questions that related to the team construction. I mean that's that that's that's generally a fun topic that we all like talking about more generally anyway, but the fact that we're at a critical juncture here of this Bulls rebuild where it could go a number of different ways, with a lot of roster decisions naturally coming up. I'm not surprised that the fan base uh are already starting to think about those things, both for in season, this season, but beyond. So I wanted to do a bulls mailbag. I wanted to spend some time answering your questions. I appreciate everyone sending questions in and uh yeah, I thought that would be more more interesting than maybe just going over these games that we've all, you know, watched and d- dissected and discussed online and those sorts of things. So, let's hit the mailbag. And I wanted to start with this audio question first. So, this one came through from um, Bulls HQ, Pow, one of my good mates in the Discord server, Jordan Guilty. Uh, he has sent through an audio question. So, let's hear what Jordan had to say and let's hit play on his question.
1: Hey, what's going on, Mark? Um, I hope that you can hear me. My phone is absolutely destroyed from all the abuse that I put it through. Or, you know, really, it's probably destroyed from all the bullshit takes on Twitter that I put through its database every day. <laughs> but um, all jokes aside, I have a question for you uh, from myself and, you know, on behalf of the Bulls HQ fan base. So the question that I have for you is uh, what is your take on this free agency pool? Because it seems to be the consensus going around is that, you know, this free agent class um, isn't very promising. And I see it completely different. You know, I think people get too wrapped up on acquiring superstar players or players who come in and make a splash immediately. And in my opinion, you you need to build a foundation and a culture, you know, before you even... Um, can get a superstar. You have to build something that a superstar will want to come play for. And I think that this free agency class, it offers us that opportunity to build that depth and build that foundation, um, to acquire a superstar in the following years, 2022, 2023. You know, of course, getting a guy like Kawhi will be nice. But, you know, I, I look at this class and I made a list here, you know, um, you have unrestricted free agents like Lou Will. You have guys like Mike Conley, unrestricted, uh, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Belicia, Belicia. I'm not, I'm, I may not be pronouncing that right. Um, mo Harkless, you know, a cheap, a cheap sign, Tory Craig. You have restricted free agents that we can throw a bag at, uh, Lonzo, please God, uh, Jared Allen would love that. Uh, Malik Monk, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, um, some wings I have my eye on: uh, Gary Trent Jr. once again, Will Barton, uh, Torrey Craig once again, Justice Winslow. Please God, that that would be huge. Uh, Norman Powell, Josh Richardson, and P.J. Tucker. You know, I, I just feel like if we're doing this well um, with guys like Valentine coming off the bench and Luke Cornett. Let's just imagine how well we'll do when you replace a guy like Valentine with a Gary Trent Jr. or Norman Powell or Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, You replace Lou Cornette with Belicio or like a Harry Giles or Jared Allen. You know, it it may not be a class that we can acquire Kawhi or, you know, just big sexy names, but we can definitely, definitely fill out our depth chart. And fill this roster with legitimate NBA players and surround Zach with defensive and athletic wings. That's my take. I'd love to hear what you think, man. And before I go, definitely want to give a shout-out to Chris and Laro with the Bulls One on One podcast and my boy Salim. And Mark, you are the man, brother. I thank you so much for building Bulls HQ. And, you know, I just got to say to the rest of you Bulls fans, if if you're not in the Bulls HQ Discord what the hell are you doing? I can only imagine if you're not in the Bulls ASU Discord, you're probably on Twitter firing off horrible takes and trying to tell the world that Wendell is not our future player and that you like live marketing instead. I'm going to go. I shot the bomb. Later, <laughs> Mark
0: well thank you jordan mates i uh, really uh, i really do appreciate it and just before i dive into your question for those listeners tuning in um i can assure you that i did not pay jordan for that uh for those very kind words to, to the back end there i was I, I didn't know if i wanted to even leave it in to be honest with you because I, I don't i don't take compliments very well but the fact that jordan was shouting out a few of uh few of our boys chris uminson laro i think salim still while i got to mention bad luck there vincent wong and uh, Daniel Foy, um, ab- apologies that you didn't make the cut there, but <laughs> but uh, thank you for for the love, Jordan. I appreciate it, mate. Um, I've mentioned Mister Guilty on the pod before one time because he's done a lot of work in actually driving a lot of Bulls fans to the Bulls HQ Discord server. So I, I, uh, you know, I owe, I owe him a lot for that for that simple fact as well. But the fact that he's helping contribute to the show today with that great question, I um, appreciate you, Guilty, for for doing that, mate. And I really love your question. Beyond you know, beyond you pumping my tires, let's say. I mean, I really appreciate your question because I think you're damn right. And the reason why I say that is, you know, I'm I'm guilty of this. And when I start talking or thinking about the free agency class coming up, and it was it was meant to be good. Like we all thought it was going to be so good because of so many names linked to this free agency class were such big names, but then maybe just due to the the economic situation around covid and the fact that guys are more likely to take guaranteed money a lot of guys started opting into deals maybe didn't necessarily want to play the free agency game maybe wanted to take that guaranteed coin now based on what the the salary cap is right now rather than maybe risking it and seeing the salary cap take a dive once once numbers or you know once the cap is reestablished post covid here and with the league losing so much revenue with fans obviously not being in stands there's a good chance that that cap number comes down, which means guys that have that access to max money will be losing money if they maybe hold out and play the free agency game. So because of that market dynamics, yes, there aren't, there aren't a lot of big names on the table in this free agency period. And that is a good reason maybe to get down on this because we as Bulls fans want to find ways to which we can add you know, another star next to Zach. And it doesn't seem like free agency really is going to do that. I mean, there are some big names still in this free agency period. I mean, as sort of Guilty just mentioned there, yeah, Kawhi is still available. Potentially, maybe. He's probably staying with the Clippers, but technically, theoretically, he is an active free agent or will be a free agent. But beyond Kawhi, I mean, the list isn't great. So if you're thinking about stars to add next to the, uh, add next to Levine and you had your sights set on for agency of 2021, which it's kind of felt like that's where the balls are going because that's where their cap space was sort of engineered from. Like you have the ability to to let go of Larry. You have the ability to, to move on from Sato and Thad. And if you do all that, there goes... You know, $50, $60 million in in cap space that you have against your books right now. You could free that up pretty quickly and add additional cap space. But are you really going to do that now, given that that free agency or that, that premier talent in the in this free agency crop isn't necessarily there? But I think Jordan makes some really good points there in the sense that whilst there isn't that star in this free agency period, I think there are some good players that you could add around around the periphery of this team and I was having a Twitter conversation yesterday yesterday or last night it was my time at least with uh, a guy on Twitter, his name's Hugo Stiglitz. I'm pretty sure that's not his real name because uh, I'm pretty sure that's a, char- a character in The Inglorious Bastards. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, but um, Hugo slash J on Twitter. Uh, sir, I think your conversation that you were raising and the, the conversation we were having last night really adds context to this guilty question because we were discussing the fact that. You know, if the Bulls want to go and grab a big name star to put it to put next to Zach Levine, that's that's going to need to happen via trade, and the Bulls can do that. But they can still attack free agency and add some good solid pieces to this roster, as Jordan was sort of alluding to there. And I mean, I got another question through from Thomas Manfredi, and he and he basically says, you know, Cat is a player that we should go and pair with Zach Levine, and you know, given Cat's ability on offense, their previous existing relationship in Minnesota, like that. That makes sense. So, like, you're gonna have to trade for cat. You're gonna have to trade for a Bradley Beal or insert whoever that star player is that you know maybe become disgruntled. Maybe that's the kind of guy that the Bulls needs to go after. Maybe it's a different guy that we're not necessarily thinking about right now because that player hasn't emerged. But Bradley Beal and Karl Anthony Towns are seemingly the the best options based on uh, NBA dynamics and what's going on right now. Like those guys make the most sense. So. To Thomas's point and what Thomas also added in his question is the fact that, you know, maybe we should go after free agents like Justin Winslow, which again is a name that Guilty mentioned. Like, those are the things the Bulls should be thinking about in free agency. I got another question here from uh, Jordan Tripp at J Tripp and Balls on Twitter. He asked the question around Lonzo Ball and, you know, if we can't get Lonzo in free agency, then what other point guards or lead playmakers should the Bulls be thinking about? And I don't know, like, Technically, Kyle Lowry is a free agent. Mike Conley is a free agent. Goran Dragic is a a free agent. There are some point guard options available to the Bulls. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie, I I don't know about Spencer just due to the fact he's had an ACL. I I would rather see him before I commit to a deal with him. Patrick Mills, I would love Patty Mills in Chicago just for obvious biased reasons, but I don't know if there's going to be a ton of options in, in at least ton of star options that are likely to come to Chicago from a point guard point of view. So Lonzo is probably the, the the main the main guy that the Bulls should be targeting in free agency if they're not doing it at the deadline. But coming back to Guilty's point, I mean, I still think this free agency period should be one that the Bulls should be active in, and considering a lot of options. In they're not going to get that star guy in free agency, but that doesn't mean you can't add talent to this roster. And I've said it before. I, I don't know if I said it on this podcast or if it was on an appearance that I had on the on the Ball Sports podcast. Um, which i uh, i definitely go re- recommend you guys listening to it not because i'm necessarily on it but just the guy on the the ball on ball guys are great and they they um, have a great podcast go support them and on on that show that we were discussing i think it was on with those guys where we were talking about you know if you could just add another thad level player to this roster maybe it's not necessarily at power forward or a, a guy who's exactly like thad but if you could get a thad a version of Thad on the wing and a version of Thad on, at point guard, or at least guys that are comparable players or are similarly tiered players, then that's really interesting to me. Like we've seen how effective Thad has been and how good and th- important Thad Young has been for Zach Levine this season. So if you can't necessarily go get a star in free agency, can you get another Thad level veteran in free agency and add them to what we've already got cooking here? So I love the name of Justin Winslow That that Thomas and Gilsey both mentioned. I mean, he would be from a point forward point of view from another defensive wing type guy. He would be a great option, assuming he is a free agent. I believe he has a team option on his deal and he sort of just started returning for the Grizzlies. He is a bit of a health risk, which is, I don't know if we want to bring through another forward that has health concerns given all the things that we've gone through with Otto. But in terms of guys that I'm thinking about, yes, and Winslow makes a ton of sense. We obviously know about Lonzo Ball. There's a lot of other, like, good, good periphery free agents who would make a lot of sense for this team. I mean, like, can you go and grab someone like Danny Green or Evan Fournier? Uh, Guilty mentioned Nemanja Bielica there. I mean, if, if, for whatever reason the balls move on from Larry Markinen, but you still want to have that shooting four on the, on, on the roster, like that, that archetype of player, then is someone like Nemanja Bielica who, He's getting up there in age. He's 33 at this point. He's obviously not a full Lowry replacement in terms of that type of guy within a core, a young core, but in terms of role, in terms of things he could do, maybe he can replace Lowry up to 70, 80% of what Lowry does. Maybe he can get that out of Nemanja Bielica. He's sort of rotting away on the Sacramento bench. Can you go get him? I think he's a realistic option. If it's not him, can you go get Trey Lyles, another shooting power forward who, again, if you move on from Larry marketing but you like that archetype of player next to a Wendell or whoever it may be, like is Trey Lyles an option for the Bulls? If you're not necessarily set on Wendell, you don't really love any of the the other Bulls' bigs like uh, Luke Cornett or Cristiano Felicio, et cetera. Et cetera. You know, are you looking at guys like Nerlens Noel, Ed Davis? Guilty mentioned Jarrett Allen. I'm assuming the Cavs are going to do everything they can to keep Jarrett Allen, but yeah, can maybe take a flyer on him from a restrictive free agency point of view. Like he, he would be an interesting name to add to the fold. So I think everything you sort of noted there, Jordan, is completely right. I, I'm definitely taking that approach that you've sort of outlined there that we shouldn't necessarily just be. Discarding free agency or thinking, you know, just because Paul George isn't available anymore, or LeBron's not available, or AD's not available, or whoever their name may be, just because those guys are no longer available, like we kind of hope they would be, that doesn't mean there aren't players out there that can help the Bulls right away. And to to your point, like if you can replace Luke Cornett, the minutes that he's getting as backup center right now, if you can replace that with a, a better backup player. And similarly, like with Denzel Valentine, if you could turn Denzel Valentine, uh, I, I know C. Red Fred, if you're listening to this, will, uh, will be bristling at this thought, but if you can turn Denzel Valentine, the 20 odd minutes he's getting a game into a real rotational player, one that won't annoy the entire fan base and one that preferably isn't trying to launch a rap career. Like if you can get a wing that can get his minutes in and maybe it is like someone like Norman Powell, maybe it is Justin Swindlow, whoever that guy is. Like if you can just get in a better player like that, I'll, I'll maybe David Nwaba. Again, hopefully C-Red Fred is listening. I hope that annoys him. But, <laughs> but there are players to be had who will improve your rotation. You're not necessarily going to get that star guy you can get a good free agent to come in and sort of boost that nine, 10 man rotation that Billy Donovan is currently leaning on. And in that way, maybe you could add three to five wins. I don't know if a lot of these guys are necessarily going to be available for the Bulls. Maybe these guys don't want to come to Chicago. Maybe AK doesn't want them here because maybe AK is thinking something differently. I don't know. A lot of it, a lot of what the Bulls will do at the, in, in free agency will be determined with what they do at this deadline. I mean, if for whatever reason they, they completely blow it up, obviously some of these names don't necessarily make sense. But if they are trying to keep this thing together, trying to win, trying to build as good a team as quickly as possible, then obviously they should be keeping an eye on the trade market and maybe saving some of these young younger guys and maybe some future draft picks to go and chase someone like Kat. But in the meantime, to, to support Zach, to put some more winning players around him, that's when you can use free agency, and I think that's what the Bulls should be doing. Be smart about it. Don't go over pay just for the sake of it. But if you can get guys on Thad size deals, like I mean, the, the, I don't want to praise Garpacks because that would just be painful to my soul. But I mean, the 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 deals that they did make for Thad Young were were good and smart ones. Similarly for Sadaransky, I mean, two year, two year guaranteed deals, the third year being a team option. I don't know if the Bulls are going to get a better free agent than a free agent than Thad Young. And there's been a lot of talk about you know the fact that the Bulls should trade Thad Young, but I think you know I've gone over why I think they should keep him. But the fact that you can sort of initiate that third year of of Thad's deal, keep him around for that thirteen odd million that he's owed, like he's completely on a bargain deal at that point for thirteen odd million if he can keep keep playing like this. So in that sense, bringing Thad back would be a real nice free agent win if you want to consider it that. If, if for whatever reason you need to move on to from Sadaransky because you're chasing Lonzo Ball like fine do that but again like keeping Sato along is not the worst thing either and it's maybe you can even boost that bench a little bit more we've seen how effective that vet mob has been again see Red Fred if you're listening the vet mob how effective they have been like if you could add like two or three more vets and not necessarily just rely on Chandler Hutchinson or Daniel Gafford or Denzel Valentine some of these younger guys who have draft picks who may or may not amount to much but like you replace those minutes with good smart players I'm pretty sure Zach Levine will be happy about that again it's not necessarily going to amount to a title I'm not a title or bust kind of guy but if it means the Bulls can squeak out more wins can start building as Guilty was saying and and start looking like a more professional team and rather than, than hovering around 500 maybe be you know several games above it challenging for that four or five place in the east then that is a good start and whilst you're simultaneously building that way you can go and make that trade for that for that big name player because that is where the big name is going to come if you want to pair Zach with another star it's going to happen via trade and that's the way it should happen or that's the way it's going to happen because I don't see it happening in free agency anytime soon and I would like to see A.K be very active on the trade market i would i want i want the bulls to act like a big market again we see teams like the lakers you know they swing their they swing their power around they go and trade for ad they go and put the bag on the table for ad can we go and do something similar instead of trading or having discussions about trading away our players for draft picks something like the okc thunder should maybe be considering or doing because they can't retain players because they're a small market team let's say can we be a big market team and uh, go and make some big moves by attacking and finding stars from other small market organizations like the Timberwolves, like the Wizards, and go raid those teams of their stars to put next to Zach? Let's go do that for a change. I want to see that happen, and I'm, I'm hoping that's what AK is thinking. But, um, hopefully, I've answered the, your question there, Guilty. And To be fair, I, I didn't really need to answer it because I thought you covered it off. Brilliantly and I agree with everything you noted there, mate. So thank you for sending through that question and um very much appreciate that. I agree with everything you're putting down there. So hopefully the bulls and AK are thinking similarly. So again, thank you Jordan for that question. Before I get to the rest of the questions on this mailbag, I just want to take a quick break and tell you all about this week's sponsor. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, q Q&As with Blue Eyes' top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for their initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you just want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your applications in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, back to the podcast now. Back to taking your questions on this episode of the Bulls HQ Mailbag. Thank, again, thank you for everyone from sending in their questions. We've got another audio question. This one has come through from Michael Colucci. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Mark,
1: you magically wake up in the morning after a good night's sleep and you are now Arturo. Do
0: you suddenly pick up the phone and call Billy Donovan and say, forget development, full speed ahead, we make the playoffs? Or do you continue down the path of, this
1: is a development year.
0: Great question, Michael. And firstly, shout out to to Michael Colucci. Uh, I believe, how, when did we do this? Again, C-Red gets another mention, C-Red Fred, but he had a, a YouTube episode, which I appeared on where we did his uh, <laughs> Knights of the Round Ball Table, I think is what he calls it. We had a few Bulls fans on his show to, to talk about all things Bulls. And um, I was on that episode with Coach Colucci there, so um good to hear from you again, mates. But um in terms of your question, I think again, I think it's a really good question, and it's one which I constantly think about. And given where we're at in the season, given that we're heading towards a deadline, this is the time to sort of make moves. Like your question is extremely pertinent as to where we're going now. And we're kind of waiting to see what AK will do. And in a part, based on what he does at the deadline, that will ultimately shape what Billy Do- Billy Donovan does on the basketball court. And I-, I guess what I mean by that is if for whatever reason Aturas Khanashovis made the decision to trade that young, trade Garrett Temple. There was a, a report I think in the Indie Star yesterday that uh Indiana Pacers were calling up the Bulls trying to trying to organise a deal for Garrett Temple. Uh the Bulls obviously have said no to that deal thus far. Maybe maybe as the deadline gets closer, maybe the paces up their offer, the paces are missing a couple wings at the moment, so maybe they get a little bit more desperate and then they up their offer, and maybe at that point, AK trades Garrett Temple. Does he trade some more vets? Does he trade, you know, does he do something crazy and trade Zach Levine? Does he go that intense with the, his whole movement? So, a lot of what Donovan can do, do on the floor will be dictated by what AK does at the deadline, but assuming the roster sort of stands still and is largely the same, to to answer your question, I guess it is interesting because the Bulls seemingly are spotting their opposition six, eight, ten points, whatever it may be, in almost all games. It feels like this young starting group is always down, uh, you know, halfway through the quarter, eight minutes into the quarter, whatever, whatever it might be, and. That's in large part just due to the fact that these guys are all, as a collective, just don't have a ton of experience, don't necessarily know how to play together, don't necessarily know how to play NBA basketball, obviously is still learning. So they're naturally going to make mistakes and that's going to spot teams some extra points. But then, you know, as we've seen throughout the whole season, it's been a consistent theme. In comes in the bench unit, in comes Thad, Garrett, Sample, Sato, etc., and the league gets dwindled back. And at that point, the balls are back in the game. So it almost feels like after the six, maybe seven minute mark of the first quarter is where Donovan gets comfortable with his his rotation, where he starts leaning on those vets a little bit more, and we see more of that in Temple, etc. But to your point, like if, if Akana Shovas came to Donovan and, and like mandated that this season is less, less so about development now, it's 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 about winning, let's go ahead, and he alluded to in uh, during AK's press conference the other day, he made it very clear that, you know, that they want to win. But what what does that mean? And I guess that's what you're sort of asking here. Like, can you really win when you're starting Kobe White, Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter and Larry Markin when he's around? Like, that's an extremely young starting lineup. And can you realistically win when you are spotting teams six to 10 points every game just due to the fact that your starting lineup is so inexperienced and to be frank may not even work together like do we really know if these guys can necessarily fit together i'm not convinced of it but beyond that even if they can like they're still young they're still learning they're still developing so to speak so from that standpoint like if you are serious about winning i i wonder if it does make sense to make some some changes and to that point like would would donovan explore some lineup changes and I've made it very clear that I think Tomas Sadoransky should be starting ball games. That isn't to say Kobe White shouldn't be playing, shouldn't be playing heavy minutes, shouldn't even be closing games. I think that's should all be on the table. But like I just I think the offense runs better with Satoransky. I think is a better fit with Zach Levine. I think he's a better fit with Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter at this point of their careers because those two guys are still heavily reliant on others to create baskets for them. And I have more confidence in Sadoransky doing that than Kobe White at this point. And I feel Kobe's probably would be better in a bench role where he can just sort of focus on being that that scoring guard rather than a lead creator type that like he currently is in the in the starting lineup. So. To answer your question, like I would, I would be leaning more on some rotational changes. I would, I would like to see that at start of the game, at start of games. That way, we're not seeing the Bulls always having to climb back in and trying to to claw back some leads, whatever that may look like. What what, I would change up the starting lineup to some degree. Otto Porter complicates this to to some degree as well because I would love for Otto to be healthy for him to be coming in and playing small forward, Patrick Williams at power forward. You have Lowry off the bench, maybe with Kobe off the bench as well, starting Otto, starting Sato um, with Levine, Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter. And then your second unit would be Thad, Kobe and Lowry with Garrett Temple, something like that. Like That combination or that blend of players would be a nice blend of youth and experienced guys, but also in terms of the skills and how those players fit next to each other, how they're offset against each other. I would love to see that, but obviously Otto's hurt all the time, so that that does limit the options to a degree. And obviously, with Lowry being out as well, that that complicates us a somewhat too. But I think if the Bulls are serious about winning and going for a uh, a legitimate playoffs uh, seeding, maybe beyond the playing tournament, if they can get up to six seed, let's say, then I think they do have to make some sort of lineup change at some point. I I, I don't know how sustainable this this Kobe White Zach Levine thing is. If you're serious about winning, if you're wanting to develop, okay, I get it. But if you want to win, maybe it makes less sense. So that that's an interesting question. I don't know how they're going to play it out. I mean, closing at close of games, like clearly Thad Young is favored over Wendell Carter. So that to me is a winning move because obviously Thad Young is the better player right now. But at the same time, Kobe White is still playing at end of games. I don't know if that's the smartest thing every single game. Like he is prone to making some bad decisions as as we saw in the last quarter against the Suns, as we saw to some degree against the Pelicans tonight in place of Kobe. Why isn't out there? Let's say and maybe you don't have Sadoransky out there. Maybe you have Temple, but you have, maybe this would be a little bit easier if you had Otto, but like if you had another veteran wing out there and running like Zach Levine as your point guard. Like if you were serious about winning, then do why aren't you doing that? But at the same time, there's games where Patrick Williams isn't closing as well, so it's kind of like, all right, are we trying to win here? Are we? Or what are we doing? Are we developing? It, it 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 kind of feels like Donovan's sort of throwing the rotation around depending on the matchup, depending on the game situation, depending on how that player is performing. So, I don't know if I was in Donovan's position. Donovan's position, AK came to me with the directive that you know we want to win. To me, that means you need to play your vets more. You need to integrate them more into the lineup. They need to get be getting more of a, a chunk of the minutes, let's say. So that to me would come with rotational changes, lineup changes, and just generally making a call of how you're gonna how you want everything to function. But it kind of feels like they're doing the, a, a dance on doing a bit of a dance between development and winning and trying to do it at both at the same time. Maybe it is possible. I don't know, but it kind of feels like they're flirting with both, and uh, particularly at the starter games, at least it. it it doesn't feel like a winning <laughs> a winning solution because you're, you're asking the Vets to just come in straight away and uh, try to claw back that lead, which they have been good enough to do. But is that going to happen for the remainder of the season? I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously see how it plays out. But obviously, if, if AK does some things at the deadline that sells off some of these veterans, then uh, that's clearly not a winning move. It's a development move. So uh, a lot of it will be di- dictated by what Karnashovis does at the deadline and because of what he does. That will give us a good indication of what the balls are thinking. So, let's see what he does with the rotation, the team, how he makes moves, and and how that flows down onto the court from a coaching standpoint. It's certainly going to be interesting. So, uh, I hope that answers your question there, Michael. Appreciate you sending that through via the audio channels. And balls fans, if you want to do the same, you know you don't have to wait for a mailbag episode. I'm more than happy to take your questions on any on any episode of Balls HQ. So, if you want to send through a text question, obviously you can reach me on Twitter at mkhoops. But if you want to send through an audio question, which to me is, is certainly more fun, I, I appreciate hearing from the listeners in that sense, from that medium at least, just send me an email with your audio clip and I'll include it in the show like I have here. You can send me an email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. You can do that at any time. So I, again, appreciate your question there, Michael. But moving on to the next set of questions, when this one comes through from uh Felipe C from Brazil, Um, I say that because I can never pronounce his last name right when when he uh, sends me through questions and Felipe is always good to send through questions, I can always rely on him in on these mailbag episodes to send me through a question but i always butcher his last name and i hate that i do that because i always bag out c redfred because of his inability to pronounce foreign foreign names particularly my name hence why he refers to me as mark k from australia but um i'm being a bit of a hypocrite because i can't pronounce Felipe's name properly i always butcher it so uh the yeah, apologies felipe but that's that's the way i'm rolling with it today so felipe c from brazil asks If Zach says no to a full max contract this offseason using our cap space to do it, do you trade him? So just to give some context to uh, to Felipe's question there, what the Bulls can use their cap space to do this season is offer Zach a max contract extension. It would take them $14 million to do so. So that would essentially be bringing forward that extension conversation with Zach. And I think they most definitely should be trying to do that now like we sort of talked about, it isn't the greatest free agency crop. So maybe instead of spending $10, $15 million on an OK-ish player, maybe you recommit that money to, to someone like Zach and reward him for the growth that he's shown this season. AK has said he, want, he wanted to build, build the Bulls into a player-first organization, and what better way to do that than reward Zach Levine with uh, you know a max contract extension, given the fact that I think he's earned that at this point. So I think the Bulls should be definitely doing that. But to Felipe's question, if for whatever reason, the Bulls and Zach can't reach that extension, because to be fair, it probably makes more sense for Zach not to take that extension because he can make more money down the road. But do I trade him if he can't reach an extension? I'd probably still say no, Felipe, because based on what I sort of said before, I'm still trying to actively make this team better. And if I'm making this team better, then I I have confidence and I can retain Zach in that sense. If for whatever reason, I'm trading Thad and trading some other places, trading those guys for future draft picks, and we're looking at another season where Zach Levine's going to be playing with a whole bunch of guys who don't necessarily know how to play basketball, a bunch of uh, just a team full of young guys who were probably going to build a losing season. At that point, I would be very worried about Zach entering next season as he's a final year under contract going into a season that's maybe not going to be very fruitful, him being disappointed at that point. Maybe I would be scared of him maybe using his leverage in free agency and walking in 2022. Like That would be a concern. But if I'm kind of show and whilst maybe I don't reach a contract extension with Zach now or in this offseason, if I'm making moves to boost the team around him, whether that's in free agency and adding more role players or like we sort of talked about before, attacking the trade market and getting through another star to put next to him then i wouldn't be too worried about not necessarily reaching an extension with zach so i wouldn't be i wouldn't be looking at it at a, in a binary sense in you know if, if he for whatever reason he doesn't agree to an extension i wouldn't be looking to trade him at that point if anything that would be a very clear science for me to really put put my foot on the accelerator in, time, in terms of trying to improve the team around him as soon as I can to help entice him to stay in Chicago. I mean the bull should be doing that regardless, but in the event you can't reach a max extension, like that's when I'm thinking, all right, I got to be serious about making this team better around him that way I can keep him rather than losing him for nothing. So that's the way I would be approaching it. It's sort of your question is relevant to the previous conversations that were sort of had on this show. You know the questions that we've got through from from Coach Colucci from Guilty, from Thomas, from Jordan, from Jake Like they, the questions that they were asking around free agency and trade options and how we build around Zach Levine, like their questions are are pertinent to the question you're raising here, Felipe. So if I can't reach a max extension with Zach now, that means I have to go harder in terms of building a good team around him. That way, I can keep him. I would be doing that rather than trying to trade him because Zach has shown that he is worth keeping at this point. He's a top thirty player in the NBA. He's a legitimate All Star. I don't want to necessarily let that guy go, and I don't want to go through a, a rebuilding phase. Which I'm assuming if you're trading Zach, you're, you're trading him for draft capital. I don't really want to do that again. So, yeah, that that would be how I'll, how I would be approaching it if I were AK. I'm not necessarily too concerned if you don't reach an extension right now, but I would be very concerned if you sort of just sit on the same team, don't necessarily do too much in for agency, just add your draft pick, maybe trade away guys at the deadline. If you're doing that stuff and you don't reach an extension and you've got another you no-so-so know, team around Zach, like that's when I'm sweating it. But um, if I'm actively showing him that I'm trying to make this team better, then I'm, then I'm confident that I can retain him. So uh, that, that's how I'd be thinking about it, Felipe. Hopefully that answers your question and I uh, appreciate you sending through your question as you always do. Moving on to the next one. This one comes through from at Banks Robber on Twitter. He asks... Well, he's he's telling me initially that um, you are an unabashed Wendell Carter Jr. supporter, which is definitely true. I am. I am. Uh, To all you Wendell Carter uh, haters out there, I was going to say a bad word, but I won't. Um, Just (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how can I put this politely? Actually, I won't. I won't say anything. I'll move on. I'll go. I'll move on to the rest of the question. Uh, Banks Robert asks, if the team goes forward with him at center, what changes do the Bulls need to make to the rest of the starting lineup and the roster in general to be able to succeed against teams with elite big men? So thank you for your question. I think it's a relevant question in part because of the general discourse around Wendell Carter this week. And we saw Nikola Jokic just go off on the Bulls and a lot of the discourse around that game after... Jokic did his thing, put up 39 points, 14 rebounds, whatever it was. So much of the discourse around that game and after that game was the fact that Wendell Carter was too small, that he can't handle elite centers. He can't do this. He can't do that, whatever it may have been. And I mean, that has been an undercurrent, a theme that has been sort of existing in the background, bubbling away there for most of this season. For whatever reason, Wendell is not a fan favorite, despite my uh, constant tweeting about him, despite my unabashed. Uh, support of Wendell Carter Jr. For whatever reason, there is a a large chunk of the fan base that doesn't respect him or his game and want to see a new center in place. Um, But what Banks is asking here, like if you keep Wendell, how can you make the lineup around him successful? How can you make the roster successful if he can't necessarily stop the bigger elites, big men around the NBA? And he mentioned, he mentioned specifically mentions teams like Denver, Philadelphia, LA Lakers, like those are the teams that have the premier bigs Jokic, Embiid, Anthony Davis. And I guess my initial reaction to that, Banks, is like, I mean, who is stopping that player? I, I don't think Wendell Carter can stop any, those players. I don't think any player in the NBA is going to stop that player. I mean, I can point to Rudy Gobert, probably the best defensive player in the NBA, if not the best defensive player, most certainly the best defensive center in the NBA. Nikola Jokic gave that guy gave Gobert 47 points and 12 rebounds. Whilst the Bulls were playing the Pelicans tonight, the Jazz were in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid cooked Rudy Gobert. Embiid had 40 points and 19 rebounds against a premier defensive team in the Utah Jazz. And like I said, one of the best defensive players, maybe the defensive player of the year in in, uh, Rudy Gobert. I think rather than thinking about the limitations of what Wendell Carter can do against these guys, Whether it's Jokic, whether it's Embiid, whether it's Anthony Davis, I think, can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that what Jokic and Embiid are doing is just completely insane and there's really no way you can actually stop these guys? I mean, if we go back to that Nuggets game, like how do you stop him? How do you stop Jokic? You can't double him because he's probably the best passer in the NBA. If he's not the best passer, he's certainly top three. The minute you double Jokic to double down on him to help Wendell Carter to take the ball out of his hand, his passing is so good that he's going to find an option on the perimeter. He's going to find the guy that is open every single time and that's going to be an open easy shot. So you can't double on him. You certainly can't play single coverage on him because his offensive game has gotten to a point where he himself is just an elite offensive scorer. In years past, maybe you do that because maybe he was too interested in passing the ball. Maybe his, his own offensive game wasn't developed to the point where... You could kick it to him and he, you can isolate Jokic on the block and he would score on you every time. But that is literally the situation right now. I mean, he's just maybe the best offensive player in the NBA. I have no idea how you stop Jokic. I have no idea how you stop Joel Embiid for, for a lot of the similar reasons. Like they're just huge men that have just found ways to score 30 points, 10 rebounds and to do so efficiently. Like there's no defense in the NBA at this point. No single player that can stop those guys. So, so that's the the way I would firstly react to this question. This is this general idea that Wendell should be limiting these guys or stopping these guys or finding ways for these guys to not put up their uh, their averages on Wendell. Like, you can't stop these guys. So to your question, like, how how do you build a lineup around someone like Wendell to be success, successful around these elite big men? Well, I think part of it is that you can't necessarily stop those guys. So what are you doing elsewhere to stop the rest of the team around those guys? and to me like what i would be thinking about and i think this is what ak is thinking about is building a team full of patrick williamses <laughs> and uh, what what i mean by that is getting a t- getting through a lineup that is big at every single position and we're starting to see this more across the nba the power forward position in the nba is shrinking guys like patrick williams are becoming power forwards the power forward position is becoming more of a wing position. You're putting versatile athletes that can sort of play two, three, four positions at that power forward position, which is part of the reason why I don't want Larry Barkin going forward. But what we're also seeing simultaneously as well is back courts in the NBA are becoming so much bigger. I mean, think about Lamelo Ball. There are a number of guards coming through at this point who, again, maybe in a past life or in a previous versions of the NBA, maybe they would have been wings. But they are guards at this point. So what I would say is I would be trying to add you know, a version of Patrick Williams or versions of Patrick Williams to this team. More guys like him, more guys who are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", who can play multiple positions where you give your your, your defense more options, where you can start switching more, more options. The Bulls don't do any of that at this point because they kind of can't because they play a lot of smaller lineups. They don't have a lot of big guys on this team They play a lot of three-guard lineups, so you can't necessarily switch in that sense. But if you have, obviously, Patrick Williams, but another big wing like him, another big guard that you can put next to Zach Levine in the backcourt, you can build a big, athletic, good, versatile defensive team, even with Wendell Carter as your center. I mean, Wendell is a good defensive player. He may not be an elite defensive player. He certainly isn't going to stop Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid, but that Bulls team can be a good defensive team. So it's less about like how do you stop Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and more about how do you stop the rest of the guys around them because you just can't stop an Embiid. You can't stop a Jokic. There's no way of getting around it. So how can you stop the rest of the guys? And I think that's how you do it. You build a big versatile lineup around those guys. You try to get in another version of Patrick Williams. And on the previous episode, I had on draft expert PD Webb who on that episode, we you know it was spoke extremely glowingly about Patrick Williams and what he can be in the NBA. But on that show, like I raised the idea of the Bulls adding someone like Jonathan Kaminga next to Patrick Williams, where you have two guys who are similarly built, uh, interchangeable at three and four, would be great options to support Zach from a defensive standpoint. But from a, from a help point of view, from a rotational point of view, from a switching point of view. Like Those guys would be super helpful for Wendell as well in terms of coming down and maybe trying to stop that elite big man, but if not, trying to stop those those other guys on the roster that those elite bigs are playing with. Like Again, coming back to that Nuggets game, the minute the ball started doubling on Jokic, he just started finding open guys. He was finding open guys spotting up from three. He was finding guys on back cuts. That's tough. You can't stop that. But if you have bigger athletes, bigger defensive-minded guys who can play multiple positions, who can rotate, who can communicate, then that's how you can help a guy like Wendell Carter combat against someone like Jokic. So that's how I would answer your uh, your your question there, Banks. I don't think there is a singular person in the NBA that can stop him. If you want to have a bigger a bigger guy at center, you can. Maybe that will help more on the on on terms of defense on the block. But those bigger guys create other problems. Guys like Jokic and B, those guys can step out to the three-point line. If you have a bigger center like a Yusuf Nurkic or a Rudy Gebert, you're asking those guys to, to defend out hard, to defend in space. That creates problems as well. You're, you're taking your center away from the rim. So I think we just rather than focusing on what Carter can't do, let's say, I think we need to start respecting you know the fact that what Embiid is doing, what Jokic is doing, the fact that they are outliers, the fact that what they're doing right now is purely historic. They're MVP candidates for a reason. Uh, rather than bashing... Wendell Carter and and me having to come to his defense every single time. I think we just need to appreciate the fact that Embiid and Jokic are probably the two best players in the NBA at this point, and there's just nothing you can really do to stop them. So yeah, it's somewhat defeatist to say that, but I think that's just reality. So uh, hopefully I've answered your question there, Banks. But um, in the interest of time, let's get to the last question. This one comes through from Tom Neshe. He asks, and maybe relevant to what we were just discussing there. Can Pat Will grow to be the answer the balls are lacking from a playmaking point of view? There's been times that he's been asked to bring up the ball. He's shown solid ball handling and good passing. A three or four who does a lot of the playmaking would be a big advantage. And I completely agree with you, Tom. I mean, if, if P. Will can develop into that type of player, maybe he's not the lead creator, but he's a secondary or tertiary creator. As you sort of said there in your question, we're starting to see that more during games Then. That would be so so helpful for this Bulls rebuild. I mean, that would be so helpful for someone like Zach. Like, I mean, the two man game between Zach and Thad is a is a nice little thing that we've we've seen this season. But if you can add a third guy into that, and Patrick Williams can develop into that, maybe not now, but like in two seasons' time, like that really helps. And before coming back to the questions that we had before in terms of trading for stars and doing all these sorts of things, I mean, if Patrick Williams can emerge into a star guy. His defense is already years ahead of where where a guy his age should be. But if he can grow from an offensive standpoint, grow his own offensive game, grow his own creation ability, but importantly to your question, grows his playmaking ability and can come in and, you know, average three or four assists and be that secondary creator when Zach is doubled or, you know, Zach is trying to create on one side of the court, doesn't necessarily amount to anything we swing the ball back to the other side where Patrick Williams is sort of sitting on the wing there or in the corner if you can get the ball to him and he can create as a secondary creator like that would be huge for the ball so I think he does have that scope it's I'm not expecting that now I'm expecting that hopefully in, you know a couple seasons time but given what Patrick has already shown us you know now with no off season already like the things he's doing already I don't know if there is a ceiling on this kid And I'm really excited about Patrick Williams. I hope that came through in that podcast that I did do last week with PD Webb, the fact that, you know, we could really be onto something here with with Patrick Williams. And in a lot of ways, he could really shape where this Bulls team goes over the next five to 10 years. But I I think we're onto something with Williams, and I think he does have some scope to be that type of player. My expectations of him, the more I watch him raise, and um, I think for good reason. So I think we should feel confident about what he can be, Tom. I don't know how quickly it's going to come, but in terms of being a playmaker, a good passer, we're starting to see signs of that. The flashes are there. You're correct in noting that. Uh, It'll just be like, can he consistently do this? Can he build towards that? And I think he can. So um, I'm very excited about what Patrick Williams can be. But um, look, I've probably gone on long enough here. I appreciate your question, Tom, as well as all the other questions I got, whether it was via Twitter, whether it was the audio questions, Thank you, Bulls fans, for uh, for coming through and helping me out on this episode. I love hearing from you guys. And um, yeah, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to ask me a question. Hopefully, I've answered your question adequately and um, I've given you a reasonable answer as to where my mind would be on on the specific questions that you've you've, uh, lobbed through. So thank you for doing that. Very much appreciate it. And they're always fun doing these sorts of episodes. I uh, I like connecting with uh, the fan base and the listeners as well. So thanks again to everyone who did send through a question. Like I said, send through a question at any time you want. Whether it's for these mailbag episodes or not, happy to take them and add them to them as part of the show. But we'll call it a day there. I've gone on long enough. And to be fair, I kind of want to just go into this little mini break that we're going to go into now and just appreciate what we've had in terms of Bulls basketball for the first half of the season. I think it's been, like like I said from the top, it's been a successful start to this season. 16 and 18. Had you told me that at the start of the season, that that, that that's where we'd be right now, I wouldn't have believed you. I'm very happy that they are. There's been clear signs of growth. And I think we as fans should be happy how how this team has performed to date. But uh, importantly, I think the next month or so is going to be very, very interesting. So with that in mind, let's take this all-star break to maybe just collect our thoughts appreciate what we've seen thus far but uh, maybe get ready for the second half of the season and uh, what may lay ahead because based on the questions that you guys sent through to me today for this episode it does feel like there's going to be a lot of uh shake-up or at least I'm hoping for there to be some shake-up from a roster point of view and as I said before that's always the funnest stuff to talk about as basketball fans so hopefully AK is getting ready to, um, to make some changes of them on the roster and uh, make some changes for the better so here's the hoping but That just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Again, thank you everyone who sent me questions. And of course, everyone tuning in, very much appreciate your support as well. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the show on Twitter too, at Bulls HQ. If you want to send me an email, you want to send me a question, if you want a link to the Bulls HQ Discord forum, can do that via email bullshqpod at gmail.com or send me a DM on Twitter you can get the access to the link that way too but we'll call it a day there thank you again for tuning in enjoy your break from Bulls basketball let's go watch Zach Levine in the all-star game on Sunday night and uh, he's to hoping he wins the three-point shootout hell maybe he wins the all-star game MVP I'm hoping he does that would be sick (laughs) but we'll see what happens let's see how he goes on Sunday night we'll be back next week to wrap up the all-star game and all the other goings-on that concerns our Chicago Bulls. Until then, though, this has been Bulls HQ. Appreciate you tuning in, and we'll speak very soon, Bulls fans.